Thanks so much for joining us here on the Rivers Church Podcast. We see a church full of passionate people who reach the unchurched with the gospel of Jesus. Our heart is to equip people to love, live, and lead in God's kingdom. We hope you enjoy today's message and pray that it encourages you to be all that God has destined you to be. If you need anything, please feel free to reach out to us and check us out on our website at riverschurch.co. That's riverschurch.co. So, hey, I'm going to introduce my friend to you. Our friend, Pastor Rick Ryan, is here today to bring the word. And uh, this is going to encourage you. Guys, this is going to be really good. You're going to be glad you showed up here, as with every Saturday. You know, the last, I've been gone the last couple of Sundays. We've had some good Sundays. I'm thankful for great leaders we have in this church, aren't you? Great leaders. And so today is another just a great day for us to gather as Rivers Church community and One of my prayers for you, for all of us, is that you would have a relationship with God God that's so vibrant, that's so alive, that it puts the enemy on notice. Like the enemy knows who you are because of the God who's so alive inside of you. And uh, Rick Ryan is one of those guys. Like when he moved back into the region of Phoenix, into the state, the enemy took notice because this guy is a mighty man within the kingdom of God. And he has got a prophetic word for us, a great word for us. And I'm so excited that he's able to be here with us. He cleared his schedule so he could be here and could minister. And uh, this, this man right here oversees the intercultural ministry. I want to say it right. But intercultural ministries of the Arizona Ministry Network, which we're a part of, Sims of God, overseeing lots of different uh, cultural churches. You're going to hear about that. He's doing a great work. And I just love this guy. He actually helped us launch our Spanish church a couple years ago. And so this guy coached us. He still is a mentor. He coaches me. And I go when I'm, when I'm feeling down and out and I need some advice and wisdom. This is one of the guys I go to. And I've met with him quite a bit this last year, actually. And so, hey, guys, we're in for a real treat. Praise Pastor Rick Ryan is in the house. Can you welcome him Praise here right now? Hallelujah, hallelujah. Es un placer estar aquí con ustedes. Ustedes que están acá y los que están por el internet. Es un maravilloso... Cosa, this isn't a Spanish church? <laughs> Pastor, you told me it was a Spanish church. Because you know, if you take the word Hispanic and divide it in two, you're his, and you cause the devil panic. So you're Hispanic. <laughs> Turn to somebody and say, Gloria al Señor. <laughs> Come on, you're Hispanic. I love the fact that two weeks ago, again, you had uh, both churches together and translating the service. I just love that. I love Pastor Miguel. Can you say amen to that? Man of God, man of God, who uh, just a business guy who just working hard every day and making it all happen, but the Holy Spirit talked to him. You know, he will even tell you, when he first started preaching, like what was it, a year and a half ago maybe? Two years ago, okay. When he first started preaching two years ago, he didn't know Spanish that well. He was scared to death to speak in Spanish. He came to me and he goes, your Spanish is way better. Maybe you should come and preach here. And I said, I can't. I'm all over. So anyway, just blessings upon him and what God's doing right now over in that service over there, that the Lord would give them such an anointing there that they would fill that and overabundantly blow this place up even. I believe that God wants to give Rivers Church 
five or six or seven different services every weekend in several languages. Okay, there was a couple wows, but I'm giving an altar call at the end because that was a wow. Because uh, around this area here, there's 39 different languages spoken within a two-mile radius. 39 different languages. Who's going to take care of them? Well, we'll just let somebody else do it. I, I don't want to bother myself with that. They need to understand English. If we've got that attitude, we do not have the attitude of Christ. Because Christ was, is willing to break down walls and barriers and empty his bank account so everybody here can know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And that's really, really cool. So church, thank you. Thank you, Rivers Church, for your heart, your giving, the Hispanic church, this church. You guys support us. We're missionaries. And uh, you support us. And I, I can't thank you enough. Because of your support, in, since 2000, January of 2019, we have planted or uh, brought in to the Assemblies of God 19 new churches in Arizona. We have six more in the pipeline before the end of the year. It's churches like Pentecost Church. I'd like to be named like that. Pentecost Church. Uh, in November, the Lord gave me a word for 2021 and 2022. The word was accelerate. What was good, and the Lord said to me, I want to give you more. I want to give you more churches. I want to give you more influence. I want to give you more focus. And he said, if you are willing to commit to me, I want to do that to you. And so uh, what, you know, what's going to take 10 months is going to take 10 days. What's going to take 10 days is going to take 10 hours. How many want a word like that in your life? God is accelerating things because the end is near. And, and the enemy has got every demon of hell out right now. Every cultural demon is out right now. Every demon is out right now. Where is the church of Jesus Christ? God has said, my church, my church, the gates of hell will not prevail against my church. And we need to take the authority in that. So the Lord gave me this word of acceleration. And i like, okay, Lord, I, I need suddenlies then. I need moments that I don't know what's going on. And then suddenly I walk into something. So I'm getting ready to go to Northern California to speak at a large Russian church there of 9,000. And uh, I'm, I'm preparing the suitcase and everything. I get a call. The call is from a pastor in uh, Fort Worth, Texas, who calls and says, hey, do you know if there's any intercultural or international churches in Arizona? I go, yes, there are. In fact, I happen to be the dude that's over them. He goes, really? He goes, you know, in my church, I have a church that speaks Swahili. And they say that they have a sister church in Phoenix, and they don't know where to go. And uh, I said, well, uh, give me the number. So I call the number. Of course, as I pick up the phone, uh, somebody starts speaking to me, first of all in French, then they went to Swahili, then they went to their native tongue, hoping that I knew any of them, which I, uh, I can order food in, in French, I can get arrested in Russian, but I can speak Spanish and English. And so um, it's that sense of, of what's going on here. So they get a translator on the phone, Find out that in 2014, because of great civil unrest in their church in the jungle of about a thousand people, um, the, uh, the rebels in the area had threatened the pastor for his life and all the people, uh, anybody that proclaimed Christ. And so they escaped. Uh, they walked 16 days. They walked 16 days through the jungle. They only walked during the night because during the day they were afraid rebels would catch them or see them. And so they got to Uganda to a 260,000 person refugee camp. Uh, there they were established. They only had the clothes in their back. They didn't have much else. Uh, if you've ever been to a refugee camp, you see what, what is going on there. When I was with Convoy of Hope, 
We went to many refugee camps and because uh, we're doing ministry there with convoy. And so uh, uh, they had done that for 16 days. They had been the Assembly, Assembly of God Church. The pastor was an Assembly of God minister in the Congo. Then he went to Uganda, found out the Assembly of God was there. So he became a minister there and, and gathered more people. And finally, the U.S. government received them after their petitions because of war refugees to come to the United States. They divided up, for the most part, the congregation. There's Part of it is in uh, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Another part is in Louisville, Kentucky. Another part is in Dallas, Fort Worth, and the other part is here. And uh, he said to me, he said, so you're with the Assemblies of God, through the translator. You're with the Assemblies of God. I said, I am. And he said, uh, there's the Assemblies of God in the United States? And he started crying because he didn't know there was such a thing here. He had had such a great thing. So we next month will be bringing them in, their whole church of 300 Congolese people. That will be our fourth Congolese congregation that is coming into the Assemblies of God here in the United States, all war refugees, God is God, and God is reaching Africa. Really, really powerful. Or how about La Iglesia, uh, La Iglesia Nueva Mente, uh, perdón, La Iglesia Nuevo Nacimiento, the church of new uh, birth. This week, this Tuesday, we invited them into the Assemblies of God or brought them into the Assemblies of God with their pastor, church of 250. That's the latest uh, one. Last Sunday, I was in a church plant in Tucson, bringing them in. Uh, we've just had a church plant in, in uh, Filipino people uh, in Tucson also that's, that's coming in. We have two more that are ready to start down there. We have about six here in four different languages that are ready to start. In other words, what I'm saying, God is moving. 49% of this state speaks another language or can speak another language at home other than English. So praise God. And if you think, well, they gotta learn English, that's God bless you, they are trying. But God bless you, but maybe you need to go and learn their language and be able to minister to them. <laughs> New concept. Could this become a service of 30 different nations? Could this become a church of 50 different nations? Could it? It could if we're ready and we're willing to receive everyone in the love of Jesus. And I believe that's the heart of you guys because I can't thank you enough Thank you, thank you, thank you. Because your every month offering to us as missionaries is their everyday blessing. See, I believe in you, Rivers Church. And I believe in God. And I believe in the word of God. I believe in the power of God. I believe that we are in the last days of human history before Jesus returns for his bride, the church. And he is coming back for a bride without spot or wrinkle washed in the blood of the Lamb. I believe we are the generation of Habakkuk 1.5. Look at the nations and watch and be utterly amazed, for I'm going to do something in your days that you would not believe even if you were told in advance. Come on, that's Jesus. Look, look, at I don't care what you're doing. I don't care what you got planned. God wants to do, man, whap, suddenlies. Or as one of my friends goes, every, at the end of every text, he goes, bam, B-A-M, exclamation point, bam, Come on, now we want God to bam our lives. How many want that in your life? Online, how many of you want that? Come on, in your house there. You want that, come on. Bam, God. Do bam in me, God. Well, I just, I, you know, I'm just here. I'm going to heaven. I love Jesus. Gloria. It's about all I know in Spanish. Gloria. Guacamole. Mexico City. 
It's that sense that God wants to move in us so supernaturally. Because speaking of families, we know that families are in crisis. And the concept of the family has shifted. I hear people saying all the time that everything is changing because of how wicked America is. Guess what, folks? It's on our watch that that has happened. It's on our watch, church, that that has happened. You see, God wants to do something. So how do we react? Well, we could wring our hands inside of here and sing songs about reaching the world and do nothing about it, or in the privacy of our own homes, or through social media, we could declare Ichabod over America. But Rivers Church has decided that we're not going to do that. Why? Because we know that throughout history, every nation that has been a wicked has to has has been a wicked nation before it became an awakened nation. What is an awakening? It is where the dictation of culture and everything, where the what's in the heavens becomes normal here. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is. Imagine that. Imagine that. It's time for a spiritual shaking that stirs an awakening in churches across America by the supernatural power of God that truly is the transforming power for the churches, families, individuals, and for this nation. For we know if God can use us to heal and develop healthy families, we can see healthy circumstances that will, or, yeah, healthy cities that will produce a healthy nation. Because you see, I see in you, Rivers Church, I see the people of God. I see a people, I heard you today in your songs, I see a people hungry to release God and to bring healing to your family and to your friends and to this city. Come on, North, North Phoenix Chamber of Commerce coming here. Come on, Jesus. If this is the presence of God, the house of the presence of God, the minute they walk in here to get a leader cast, simulcast, whatever, oh, God, mail them. As they come through the door, bam. Some of you are looking at me like, what's the deal with you, dude? Take a volume. Just relax. You see, God is so urgently, passionately, deliberately going hard and he wants to use you in the supernatural to do that like never before. He wants to release through you so much healing and anointing that all your family and every one of your friends would come to Jesus. So we've got to have an awakening of love and transformation. An awakening is needed when there are needs. And wouldn't you agree with me today that we need an awakening now? Because you guys, I'm just tired. I travel all over and I, I'm just tired. I'm tired of seeing prejudice to single moms who have, been in, who have endured great stress and sacrifice to maintain a simple and safe lifestyle. I'm tired of the stories of women and men, married and unmarried, teenagers and children who have been abused and victimized by the lust of others. 
I'm tired of families that are seeking permission to dissolve and to start over because the adults in the family are not making adult responsible decisions. It's so sad that marriages that last 30, 40, and 50 years are more and more in the minority. Oh, church, let us arise. I'm tired of holding a little girl that won't let go of me because daddy has never home to give her a hug. I'm tired of young people telling me the secrets of their Christian home that causes them not to want to passionately pursue Christ because they see mom and dad is one thing here and another thing in the house. I'm tired of supposed Christians speaking, acting, and declaring their right to be right instead of loving others as Christ loved all of us and gave his life for our salvation. I'm tired of abuse of my international friends who live in this state. And more often than not, they're treated as if they're not important or they're treated as if they're not equal to us who are in the, the, the sight of God. Because I hear their cries. Their cries of oppression that we, the church, can answer. In fact, God wants us to give us this, the spirit of Exodus 2. And people in this church, you are called to be people of Exodus 2, where just like Moses, you call people out and lead them out of their bondage into the land of promise. I know it can happen. I believe it can happen. And I, I know because I live by this mantra, never underestimate the supernatural encounter with Jesus that can change the destiny of a family or an individual like that. Just like that, things can change. Just like that tomorrow at work. You've sat next to him for six years. He's complained about his wife. He's complained about his stuff. Just one moment where you pray, just like that, their marriage can change. Okay, there was three people. Hallelujah, this must be a Baptist church or something. I'm not sure what's going on. Because I'm working up here, man. I'm working up here. You can sit in your whatever, but I'm telling you, God wants to release you. You got your coffee, good. You got your caffeine, good. Come on, let's get Jesus. And let's go change our world for the cause of Christ. Because God's ready to do it. So now we've got to get to the scripture. So turn your Bible on, if you would, to John, the eighth chapter. Come on, I know what generation I'm in. We're opening it up to John 8. John 8, don't you de dare depend on the screens only. Please. Today, the title of my sermon is Messy Love. Or how would Jesus, I want to love people like Jesus loves them. Messy love. How many know that we love love like Paris, France, on top of the portico, of the museum they're looking at Eiffel Tower and the night lights are shining. And we're just, <sighs> after a French cuisine. We think love should be that. Or we think love should be around the Christmas tree and we're hugging and we're giving and receiving gifts. How many know that walking through that door are probably 85% of the people that come through that door are coming with messy junk in their life? Messy situations. And I want to tell you, if we get the people from the street, the 78 
percent of Phoenix that does not or has not gone to any house of worship in the last five years, except for a wedding or a funeral. And those are going, they're getting out of the church too. They're going to destination weddings and they're doing gravesides now. They're not doing anything else. But people coming through the door are messy. I know as pastors sometimes, we want them to all come through the door and be saved, filled with the Holy Spirit, and tithing. But I want you to know this. The messy love is the best place to be because guess what? You might be whole and healed and healthy now, but one time you were a mess and Jesus got in the midst of your mess and he messed you up. Or as I like to say, he ruined you. So you couldn't follow that way of life anymore. He ruined you. So you wouldn't accept the world's standards anymore. He ruined you because greater is he that's in you than he that is in the world. Come on, somebody. So it's messy love. Let's go to the very first, John 8, 1. It says, Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. And at dawn, he appeared again in the temple courts where all the people gathered around him. And he sat down to teach them. Let's stop right there. Wouldn't it be so cool to know that Jesus has been up in the Mount of Olives with the Father. He's been praying up there all night. He comes down to the temple. He sits down, and guess what? You get to sit at his feet. Wouldn't that be cool? Wouldn't that, I mean, you are hearing. You're watching his mannerisms. You're just in awe. By the way, that's what worship is all about. That we would come in and just in awe. Just Oh, Lord, at your feet. Here's these people sitting at the feet of Jesus. I want to tell you something. Sitting at the feet of Jesus isn't just a position or a place. It is a door of access. It's accessing the power of God through the spoken word of his son, Jesus. We've got to spend more time at the feet of Jesus and let his word and let his presence change everything about us because the presence of God changes. It does. Because when you are in sitting at the feet of Jesus, you have the door of access, which allows you to know that, that when you sit at the feet of Jesus, circumstances do not impact your peace and joy. Your peace and joy impact your circumstances. When you sit at the feet of Jesus, you learn to dance in the desert. Come on, sing in the storm, praise in the prison, and prophesy in the midst of problems. When you sit at the feet of Jesus, what God says about you is more important than what others shout at you. When you sit at the feet of Jesus, character is more important than reputation. Because when you sit at the feet of Jesus, you learn what, what can't be shaken off by you. God washes off. Come on. When you sit at the the feet of Jesus, you suddenly start to believe like Abraham, walk like Enoch, you conquer like Joshua, you pray like Daniel, you save your people like Esther, you shout like Bartimaeus, you climb like Zacchaeus, and you shine like Stephen. Because when you sit at the feet of Jesus, you live, you love, and you lead just like Jesus, and your impact becomes global, just like Jesus. So let's sit at the feet of Jesus. In fact, this is the challenge to you, Rivers Church. I'm daring you. We got six weeks until September 1. Only six weeks. In the next six weeks, God could revolutionize your whole life, everything about you. He could revolutionize it. This is what I'm suggesting. For the next six weeks, you give God 
30 more minutes at his feet. 30 more minutes at his feet. I'm saying get up earlier. Some of you got up for the British Open today. But to get up for Jesus, I'm not really sure about that. Come on, I'm daring you, 30 more minutes with Jesus. Well, well, Pastor, I I don't have a devotional life. 30 more minutes, just 30 minutes, start with him. How do I do that? I want you to get a piece of paper or a notebook, and I want you to put down six names of friends or acquaintances you have that you want to meet Jesus. And just don't put down Kim Kardashian. (laughs) Not that I'm against Kim Kardashian getting saved. You don't know her. All ministry flows through relationship. Everybody hear that? All ministry flows through relationship. Six people that you're in relationship with that do not know Jesus. Put their names in line. And over here, put six miracle needs that you need. You need God to show up in a miracle. Don't, you know, because many times with our miracle prayers, it's in the moment of crisis, and it's just for a couple seconds. But I believe this, that in the next six weeks, if you take an extra 30 minutes with Jesus... And you put a thumb over the name of that friend or that family member or that child that's away from God. And for 30 minutes, you pray. And I'm challenging. If you've been filled with the Holy Spirit, with the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and with the evidence of speaking in other tongues, I encourage you to pray in your prayer language. Because de- it's your spirit connecting with God's spirit, and the devil doesn't understand it. Man, open up the floodgates and let God bless you. Thir- three minutes there. Then go to the need. Three minutes. Then go to the the, uh, next person. Then go to the need. And if you feel even more energized by that, take and put a promise of God's word for each one of those needs. If you say, I want to pray because uh, my need is, I have this feeling of being alone and I'm fearful. Do you know what the Bible says? Put Put this promise down. I will never leave you nor forsake you. That's why Google's here, so you can look that up. I dare you to do that because in the next six weeks, God could turn your life totally around. Think of this. In the next six weeks, you could see six friends sitting next to you. If we had six, everybody did this and they all got six friends, well, first of all, we're starting a third service. Second of all, we're probably getting ready for a fourth one. On top of that, if you start seeing that happen and then you start seeing the miracles happen, people, the Bible says in Revelation 19.10, that the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. And when you start having testimony of what God has done and miracles happen, I don't know about you, but when a miracle happens, I don't tell just my wife, who is here, by the way, Denise, would you stand back there? This is my incredible wife, Denise Johnson, Brian. Uh, I, I don't just don't tell my wife or my kids, man, I'm telling everybody. You know what happened, man? I was going through this, man, and you know, da 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 da. You know, as you tell that testimony, the testimony of Jesus becomes the spirit of prophecy. In other words, they go, well, if it can happen to you, man, I'm way better than you, so it should happen to me. Imagine, imagine what God could do if we allowed that to happen. That's my challenge to you. I dare everybody in the room to take the challenge. Let's go on. The teachers of the law and the Pharisees, thank God for the religious. The teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought in a woman caught in adultery. They made her stand before the group and said to Jesus, Teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. Thank God for judgment. In the law, Moses commanded us to stone such women. Now, what do you say? They were using this question as a trap in order to have a basis for accusing him. Then Jesus bent down and started to write on the ground with his finger. 
When they kept questioning him, he straightened up and he said to them, let any one of you who has, is without sin be the first one to throw a stone at her. And again, he stepped down, or he stooped down and wrote on the ground. I'm sure it was plays for the sons on Tuesday night. <laughs> at this, those who heard him began to go away one at a time, the older ones first. Ooh, I can't stop there, but that's an hour sermon. Until only Jesus was left with the woman still standing there. Jesus straightened up and asked her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, sir, she said. Neither do I condemn you, Jesus declared. Go now and leave your life of sin. Now, this is a messy situation. It's a political situation. It's a religious situation. It's a hate situation. It is an absence of love situation. It's a messy thing. Because standing in front of him is this woman who's been caught in adultery who probably has been jerked out of the bed or wherever she was at and probably doesn't have any or hardly any clothes on. She's trying to cover. She's totally exposed. She's totally embarrassed. There are people that are online right now and people in this room, you know exactly what that's about. Something has happened. Someone is accused. Someone bring accusation and they have every right to accuse you because you were wrong, but you're stuck. You're, you're in front of everybody. You are, as it were, stripped bare. You don't know what to do. The accusers have brought what they think is the word against you. So here we go with three perspectives. Because you've got to understand everybody's perspective in this story, just like you do with everyone you're dealing with in your life. A different love or loving differently is literally seeing other people where they're at and not speaking just your right words at them, but understanding what they're receiving. So here's the three perspectives that I see in this story. Number one, we have the, the uh, perspective of the accusers. When you accuse or judge somebody, that judgment places you in front of God, who's the ultimate judge. It's basically saying this, I'm right, I know I'm right. Somebody told me I'm right, I read a scripture in the Bible that I'm right, and so therefore I can say with authority that I'm right. And you're wrong. We should stone her. So what do we do with the word of God that says, judge not, lest you be judged. You see, when you judge others, it's just the opposite of loving others. Oh no, pastor, I'm speaking the truth in love. Come on. Come on. You know what it's about. You just like the, you get on social media. I don't know what it is with people. If I'm face-to-face -face with them, oh, Pastor Rick, you're face-to-face, you're in crowd. Oh, Pastor Rick, oh, love you. Oh, you're serving, oh, oh, what am I, oh, oh. But if I write something on social media, which I hardly ever write anything political or controversial, I'm always sharing testimony because I want people to see testimony. And so 
You know, I don't, I don't really care about all that other stuff. I don't really care what you think about the vaccine or mask or uh, Black Lives Matter. I don't really care about that because I'm too busy loving. I'm too busy loving people. I don't have time for your right words. I don't have time for your videos. You know, when the pandemic first started, I was getting probably 10 videos a, a day through Messenger where people are sending me these videos about what the day was and what the prophecy was. And I literally wanted to say, no man knows the hour but the Father. Hallelujah. You have to forgive me. I'm a fifth generation preacher's kid and I know you church people. But listen, the Bible is so clear. John 13, and you've read this every week so far. John 13, 35, uh, 34 and 35. A new command I give you. Love one another. Just because it seems to be the thing to do. No. As I have loved you, you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. I wonder if you were down at Phoenix Scar Harbor today getting ready to fly someplace and you met an atheist or an agnostic and they ask you a question about, uh, for instance, uh, some political question. I wonder if they would know that you were Christ's disciple by what you said. Are we so like everybody else? Because see, one of our problems is this. The pandemic has, has brought out something, a truth, that has been hidden for a long time. But what it's brought out is this, is that the church has been divided for a long time. And we can't play together. We're supposed to be brothers and sisters in the Lord. We're supposed to have mansions next door to each other. Guess what? I got a feeling if you get to heaven and they get to heaven, if, big word, he's going to put their mansion right next to your mansion just to bug you for the rest of eternity. Because we, we are so at times divided. We are so divisive. We feel we have the right to be right and we can attack leadership. We can attack, we can attack governments. We can attack our family. We can attack our sister in the Lord that we prayed together about the call of God in her life and I can yet speak against her. Guess what happens? Listen, listen to this. We are all made in the image of God. And when you start to accuse another person or judge another person, guess what you're doing? You are judging God. Because God's call in them, God's th view of them is he has been created them. They have a calling and a gifting and talents that you don't have. They might not be fully developed yet, and it might bug the daylights out of you. But you literally are coming against God at that point. And guess what? You do have applause that hits you. It's led by Satan and his demons. Oh, oh, that's wonderful, church. You're right about Black Lives Matter. Yes. Go to another church. Oh, oh, yes. Vaccines? It is. Oh, yes. It is. It is the mark of the beast. There are babies skin that's in your body now. You don't know any of that. And yet we make all these statements because we've listened to an expert. And therefore we feel we have the right to judge others. Have you ever gotten a moment in a conversation where you realize that person isn't with you? And so what do you do? You just get quiet. 
I'm saying to us this, that if we are really going to be like Jesus, where are the bracelets that we used to have that said, what would Jesus do? WWJD, is it? Where's that? Think of that the next time you get on social media and a friend has put out a pretty, but he's my pastor. Hallelujah. Love the daylights out of it. But he's my friend. Love people. You don't have to agree with them. Because listen, it's okay if we don't have the, right, the same skin color. It's okay if we don't have the same denomination. It's okay if we don't have the same income. It's okay if, if you're struggling and I'm not. It's okay. Because those things aren't things to divide us. But what unifies us, we serve the same Jesus. We get the same blood that washes us free of our sins. We get the same Holy Spirit that fills us in abundance and overflow. We still get everything together because we are the family of God. And the demon and his devils shake when we get up and we get unified. Because Jesus is coming for a glorious church. A glorious church. Do you think that's a disunited or disjointed church? Well, the people over there at that church, they're going to go, but they're not going. How do you know that? How do you know that? How dare we judge? Because God wants us to be together. What did, John, what did Jesus pray in John 17? He could have prayed about anything. Lord, bless my, my brothers and sisters with abundance. Bless them with finances. Bless them with healing that everybody they touch gets immediately healed. He didn't do that. What did he pray for? He prayed for unity. And you know what? Jesus is coming back for a glorious church, a bride without spot or wrinkle. If he comes back and we're divided, we all think, well, God loves us enough that he's just going to take us. Because, you know, I made a few mistakes, but I'm okay. And that's true, probably. To a point. But God, do you think God has any prayer that he prayed that is going to go unanswered? He's not coming, going to come back and see a divided church and go, well, I guess I blew it on that one. You know, it was the end of the time and I was kind of stressed out about the cross. And, you know, so I prayed for unity. It just didn't happen. So it's okay. No. A church that is unified is where Jesus flows because Jesus always flows through unity when they were together in one place, in one accord, suddenly. Oh, imagine if at 11.55 on Sunday morning, a suddenly happened here because we're all unified. Ah, wow. And so here it comes. Because you see, sometimes when we think about love, Behind me, there's a circle of love. We think about, oh, it's all nice and round and, you know, it's like the ring. That There's no starting point and no ending point. And our love is for our family and our love is for our friends and love is for the people we admire. And you know what kind of love that is? That's a romantic love. That's a friendship love. That's a family love. But the world out there who we're really supposed to love, they are hurting people. They are confused people. They are odd-shaped people. They are messy people. They're full of selfishness and indifference, and they're full of hate. How long, or how does loving only those in your circle of love change anything in the world? Because that's what we tend to do sometimes, is we just love those that are, we're comfortable with. 
But God wants us to go into the messy situations to the odd-shaped, weird, not-like-me people and give them unconditional agape love. Well, if God really loves them, he would send somebody else that would really identify with them. I don't identify with them. It's just not my kind of people. I, you know, I'm from, I'm from Baltimore. And in Baltimore, we don't have those kind of people. Plus, I got my boat. You know what the word boat means, right? Break out another thousand. Anyway, um, it's that sense of how do we do Matthew 25? Matthew 25 says, where were you when I was hungry, thirsty, naked, in prison? And it happens to be a deciding point because if you read the whole chapter of Matthew 25, it is the deciding moment or deciding decision that Jesus says, if you did that, enter into your rest. If you didn't do that, enter into eternal destruction where there'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Being compassionate, reaching out with, to people, not just to give them food, but to give them food and Jesus, if can't compassion and evangelism together, then we got something going. Because we will not be world changers. We will not be the world changers God has called us to unless we choose to love unconditionally, to love unconditionally the unlovable, to love unconditionally the hurting, to love unconditionally the uncomfortable, and to put into practice a different kind of love. The love that is selfless and sacrificial. It's God's love. It's that Jesus with skin on kind of love. It's a godly love. But the question before us becomes this. Are we big enough? And do we care enough as God's family and as the church to love the un unlovable and invest the resources of our time, strength, and monies to touch everyone with the love of God? Can we love the prostitute? Can we love the beggar? Can we love the smelly? Can we love the rich? Can we love the middle class? Can we love the apathetic? Or if Devin Booker walks in here and sits down, are we going to, during worship, take selfies? Just because the star's in the house. Even though he's so close to accepting the Lord as Lord and Savior. And he doesn't need you paying him homage as a star. God has given us a design assignment to change the world and bring everybody into personal relationship with others. And when you judge others, you have an assignment without anointing. It's like carrying a million-dollar check in your pocket, and you don't have a sig signature on it. You just can't use it. I want to tell you something. People like her, or the accusers, they're the ones that are so attacking and so devastating that they blow things up, and they blow people up. And my fear is that heaven, or I'm sorry, hell is going to be populated with a ton of people who used to be in the church. But church people said things about them and they couldn't get over it because they were judgmental. Oh, Rivers Church, let's not be that church. Turn to somebody and say, I love you. Now turn to the one with bad breath and say the same thing. I love you. The second perspective is the one of the lady who was caught in adultery. Here she is. She's standing out there all alone. Everybody's accusing her. The noise of accusation is so strong, so forceful, 
so cutting. They are describing her. They're describing her body. They're describing what they need to do to her. They are just attacking, attacking, attacking. Nobody in here, I think it's online, somebody online, but nobody here really feels like you've ever had that, right? And yet while she's standing there, she has one thing going for her. She's standing in the presence of the only one who can change everything. You see, the presence of Jesus was standing in front of her. That changes everything. Listen, I want you to hear this. In your life, the presence of Jesus is standing in your life every day. That changes everything. Because when you stand in the presence of Jesus, when light stands next to darkness, light always wins. Because when a shout of praise stands next to obstructing walls, the shout always wins. When the anointed shepherd boy stands next to a giant, the shepherd boy always wins. Because when a holy prophet stands next to hungry lions, the prophet of God always wins. And because when the lamb that died on a cross stands next to the serpent who deceived in the garden, the lamb always wins. Why? What you, what or who belongs to God will always win in the name of Jesus. Because I'm speaking to somebody today in the midst of emotional mess, in an impossible situation. Perhaps you're here with a negative or online, with a negative relationship in your life right now. It is so stressful. You feel empty. You feel exposed. I'm telling you, according to Genesis 41, if you survive the pit, you can reign in the palace. According to Joshua 1, if you survive the desert, you can conquer the promised land. According to Acts 28, if you survive the, shake, the, the uh, shipwreck, you can shake off the snakes. Come on. Because for what you sur survived yesterday determines what you will conquer tomorrow and triumph over even today. The promise is in Proverbs 23, 18. There is surely a future hope for you and your hope will not be cut off. Listen, I, I don't care if you're a judgmatic person, if you have walked away from God, if you're exposed today, whatever. I'm just saying this, that it's not the character of God to sit with his hands crossed in heaven and go, you know, Holy Spirit, we really like to use her, but kind of damaged goods. She got caught, man. I got to judge her because I'm the judge, man, so... I'm just going to blow her up. I'm just going to blow her up. I'm going to sit in my throne here with zap guns. I'm watching her, man. And I'm just. It's even wrong for you to say that's God in your life. God is not judging you. God wants to get your attention to turn back to him and to turn back to the Father. That's who he is. That's what he does. And then the third perspective. Perspective. It's the perspective of Jesus. How amazing that in the noise of accusation, and listen, that's really many times what accusation is. It's just noise. We have to evaluate it to what's truth in our, that we need to hear, but most accusations have a little bit of truth and a whole lot of noise. That's true. That's true. A lot of noise over a little truth. And in the noise of accusation, his reaction, Jesus' reaction, was peace. He understood that in the background, 
and the experiences of the accusers, and he understood the background and the situation of the woman who was caught in adultery. He knew what got them into that position. He understood that he had to look at them through God's eyes. For they were created in the image of God by God's design with gifts and talents and a future. But when they became broken and wounded, he knew that they had gotten sidetracked and were not living in God's original design for them at that moment. That is a word for somebody right now about how you feel about somebody else that is accused. They just got sidetracked. They just got messed up. Do not accuse them. Look at them through the eyes of Jesus. Because God's got plans for them as well as God's got plans for you. We must look at others through the eyes of Jesus. We must see people as God created them to be rather than them as broken, incorrect, and hardened people. Karens. If you're young, you know what I'm talking about. That stand in front of you. Because, you know, sometimes we feel like we can be a punk, we can be a jerk, we can be all kinds of stuff that we want to be. And God has not called us to be that. For as a child of God, I must love without condition. I must forgive without limits. I must believe without doubt. I must live without looking back. It's time to act like Jesus the next time we write on uh, or post on social media. And we need to ask ourselves the question, is this what Jesus would say? It's time to act like Jesus the next time we set others straight with our political view and demand that others follow us as we follow outside experts to demand others to live our way, to live to our comfort, to live in our direction. Because here's the problem. We tend to be experts in what others have said or need to say than in what we know God says through his word. It's time to act like Jesus does. And the next time that we get in a situation with unloved people or the inconsiderate person or the overbearing or the absurd or abusive, we need to love. Because this world needs Jesus. It doesn't need you. <laughs> oh, no, you need to hear my voice. I'm a prophetic voice. Listen, they need Jesus in you. They don't need your words. They don't need your emotions. They don't need your anger. They don't need that. You want to know why kids, young people are running away from the church? Because we have been too judgmental at times. Well, we need to speak the truth in love. <laughs> Does that ever happen? We just love to attack. It's kind of like, you know, well, you're not supposed to know about this, but I want you to pray. And we proceed to go nuts on somebody. See, God has so much for us. He has so much. Jesus is the Messiah. Jesus is the conqueror. Jesus Christ is the son of man. Jesus Christ is the son of God. Jesus Christ is the way. Jesus Christ is the truth. Jesus Christ is the life. He is the resurrection. He is the light of the world. And he came down not so you and I would fail and judge, but that we would thrive in the name of Jesus. He came down so that you and I can have life and have life more abundantly and give that life away to others. You see, he proved it already. He proved that when he showed up in the fiery furnace. 
He proved that when he showed up in the den of lions. He proved that when he showed up in the storm. He proved that when he forgave the women, the woman caught in adultery. He, no matter what anyone is going through, God will show up. So just hold on because God's got you in the palm of your hands, especially if you feel like the woman that has been abused or exposed. Because the Bible says in Romans 8, 37, in all things, we are more than conquerors to them. <laughs> we are more than conquerors through him who loved us because he loved us. You see, yeah, you can say all you want that we are better together. I want to say we are more important if we're biblically together. Because that's what I'm talking about today. Let's be Jesus with skin on. Too many people are going through it. Last Sunday, I was in Tucson, Arizona, and uh, uh, to speak at a uh, Spanish church in the morning, and at night I was at a church, a Spanish church plant. And Saturday night I was at a Filipino Bible study, so it was a big weekend. And uh, uh, so on my way to church, it was a strip mall, and in the corner, the far corner of the strip mall was a seven or a Circle K. Don't you know God loves Circle K, right? And so it's a Circle K, and I went in there to get uh, my Diet Coke since I'm on a diet. And uh, that's why you drink it, right? Anyway, um, I go in there, uh, and on my way in, I pass a young lady, just a teenager, I thought, tall, maybe like 5'9", five, 5'10". Five, her clothes were ripped. Her face was dirty, and there, it looked like there had been sweat or tears or something. She's smoking a cigarette, and on my way past her, she said, sir, do you have any change? I said, I'm sorry, I don't have anything. I'm not carrying any money today. I, I do most of my work through my phone. And so I'm, I'm really sorry. So I went inside while I'm getting my Diet Coke. I, uh, the Lord spoke to me and said this, I sent her to you today. Lord, what am I supposed to do? Give her $1,000? How many times do we love by giving things like money to people and not really help them? I went up to the counter and I said to the guy, hey, you're gonna ring this up. It's like 79 cents or whatever it is, you know. Circle K is amazing. You know, you can get like, you know, 2.5 billion gallons or pints or quarts or whatever of Diet Coke for like 79 cents. And so, um, I go to the cashier and I said, hey, could you ring an extra 20 on there and give me cash? He goes, okay. So I go outside and she sees me again, although this time she's not even recognized me. She doesn't recognize it. She just talked to me. Sir, do you have any spare change? And I said to her, uh, excuse me? I said, what's your name? She said, Nikki. I said, Nikki, how old are you? She said, 15. I said, you're 15. I said, Nikki. What are you doing out here? Behind the Circle K was all these guys who were homeless, but also plastered. And they were beating on one another. I said, Nikki, what, what are you doing out here? Uncomfortably, she shuffled her feet. I said, just tell me. I said, I, I happen to be a guy that follows Christ, and I, I care about you. So tell me, what, what's the deal? She said, well, she goes, I'm the daughter in a Christian family. My parents live over on the east side. This is west side. 
She said, they live over on the east side. And my dad and my mom couldn't get along. They happened to be pastors. And they were hitting one another. My dad in particular and my mom. And uh, five or six nights ago, my dad started to come visit me at night because he was frustrated with his, with my mom. He said, I couldn't handle it. So two days ago, I got up and split. I said, Nikki, what are you going to do? She said, I don't know. She looked at herself. I said, how'd you get your clothes ripped? She said, I got attacked last night by four guys. She said, I got free. I screamed and I kicked, did whatever they could can, but they ripped my clothes. And I'm just standing there. I'm just trying to get some money so I can get something to eat. I'm really tired. I don't know what to do. I said, Nikki, see right over there in the corner. It was in the corner of the, of the strip mall. It's like L-shaped. See in that corner over there? See that light right over there? That's a church. I happen to be a minister, and I'm going to that church to speak in like 20 minutes. I said, would you come with me? And I said, I want you to come to that church. She said, well, I, 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 I don't need anything with church. I, I'm, I'm done. I said, Nikki, listen, if you come over there, I've got 20 bucks for you. I'm baiting her. I admit it. Bait and switch. Here we go. But I had a secret weapon the presence of Jesus. I said, Nikki, just come over there for five minutes. Just be in the church service. Five minutes. That's all. At five minutes, you can look at your clock. She had a clock or watch on. You can look at your clock the whole time. At five minutes, come to me. I'll give you the 20 bucks and you can leave. Okay. So I pulled my car over there. She walked. Met me at the front door. I opened the door. Walked in. The first lady there was the pastor's wife who speaks no English. It's a Hispanic church. And she went like this. Bienvenidos. Welcome. Dios les bendiga. God bless you. Pastor Rick, is she with you? I said, yes, she is. I just met Nikki right over here. I said, she's 15 years old. I said, pastora, sería posible que tú pudieras llevarle a ella al baño but I limp out un poco. Could you take her to the bathroom and just let her clean up a little bit? And this is what she did. She goes, por supuesto, of course. And she grabbed her in a big bear hug. Nikki at first was just like this. But after about 30 seconds, it went like this. And then it started to clutch. And tears started coming service had just started. The worship team was there. They had the countdown. We were probably a minute and a half past countdown. You know you can't do anything when the countdown hits. That's it. You're out. <laughs> Took her into the bathroom. I went up to the front, worshiping the Lord. If you notice, I don't really care what you think about me when I worship. Because I'm going for it. I'm not going to sit back in the presence of God and stay on the fringe of his glory. I'm going to push through. I'm going to get to the center. I'm going to get up here. That's why I never sit back there. God bless you. In Costa Rica, the last three rows are for those that are in discipline with the pastor. So I'm not sure what happened to you people back there. In fact, one of your, one of your leaders is back there right now. I'm sure something happened, but God bless you guys. That's between you. But I'm down front. I'm just going for it. But also I was doing this. You know what I'm talking about? When somebody comes that you know and they don't know Jesus, you're watching your clock the whole time. Okay, okay. Four minutes, 30 seconds. Oh, Jesus, Jesus. Get her, get her, God. Get her, get her. Get her, God. Five minutes. Oh, Lord, hallelujah. Hallelujah. I got this 20 bucks. I got it out. I'm ready to go. 
12 minutes. Oh, something's happening. Don't know what it is, but hallelujah. God, glory, God, hallelujah, God. Finally, the pastor says, tenemos un pastor que va a venir para predicar la palabra. We have a pastor that's going to come preach the word. I get up, I look in the back, and there's Nikki back there. Totally changed. Her hair slicked back. She had washed her hair. Totally slipped back in different clothes because the church had a clothing thing there. See, all she had was a plastic sack and no clothes in it. Think about that when you go home today and you stand in front of your 47 outfits for Tuesday and your wall of shoes. She's back there just smiling, just smiling, sitting next to the pastora. I preached the word, got done at the end. I said, you know, there's people in this house right now, you, because of what's happened in your life, you got, you've been sliced and diced. Your heart really is in a mess. And you've tried to band-aid it with different things and you've tried to drug it. And you've tried to do everything to get rid of the pain. I want, to know, want you to know this. God doesn't want to just heal your heart. He wants to give you a brand new heart right now. I said, let's just bow our heads right now so it's a private moment. Who is here? Online, write us in the comments if this is you. But people online, I'm saying this right now to people online, I want you to know right now the presence of God is in your living room with you right now. I have prayer warriors that are with me right now praying and pray right now because the power of God is working online right now and you are watching right now and if God is touching you just later after he finishes, I want you to write us or text pastor. We got a text last service. During this time, a lady who's been Susan, I think her name was, has had a bad knee for a long time. She touched her knee, instantly healed just like that. So I'm saying right now, God's working in your life and you hear hear this, but I said to this whole crowd, who's here? You want a brand new heart. You don't want to just be fixed in band-aids. You want a brand new heart. Eight people, including Nikki, who got up, not just raised a hand, she got up and started walking. That caused all other eights to walk. Came down front. And oh, you guys, the power of God hit those people. And then we started to minister to people and started to do things, uh, you know, just started to flow in the gifts. We got out of there two hours later. As we were getting out, Nikki walks up to me and she says, she goes, man, why did you stop for me over there at Circle K? And I said, because, listen, God spoke to me inside and told me that he wanted to get you. But why did you do it? Because, Nikki, I love you. Just like Jesus loves you. She said, Pastor Rick, I haven't felt this forever in my life. Pastor Manuel and Mariana Real took her home to their house. And the next day worked it to get her into Home of Hope. There was accusations brought against the father. They're investigating those accusations right now. A life totally changed just like this because somebody, a church, decided to love and not reject and not judge. Because really we're talking about two loves. We're talking about loving one another and we're talking about loving the world. And I don't mean the world like Cuba, even though we need to pray for Cuba. I'm talking about the person next door to you. 
I'm talking the people, your mission field, the house here, the house there, the house there, the apartment in front of you. That's your mission field because they're 20 feet away from the glory of God in you. And sometimes our schedule is too busy to even talk to them. Because in today's world, everybody wants to be alone. We've got the quarantine spirit. Who's going to break through that? Who's going to take a cup of cookies, a plate of cookies in the name of Jesus? Who's going to take and mow somebody's lawn in the name of Jesus? Who's going to go wash somebody's car in the name of Jesus? Okay, sorry, I'm making that all up. It's just, Jesus wants to take you today and minister to you. If you just bow your heads, they're at home. Don't get up and go get a drink. Just stay where you're at for just a moment. You here in this church, in this auditorium, just bow your heads for a moment. Because we're talking big things here. We're talking world changing, nation changing, city changing, North Phoenix changing, church changing things. First of all, if you're here, and as I talked about slice and dice heart and emotions that have been ripped and hurt again and again and again, and you don't know what to do except just be in pain. God wants to give you a new heart right now. I'm, I'm, I'm speaking over you right now in the name of Jesus. Everything can be different. And if that is you, I'd just like you to raise your hand wherever you're at so I can see it. Thank you, man. Hands went up right away. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you here. Thank you back there. Thank you. Six. There's seven. God wants to give you a new heart right now. Heavenly Father, I pray in the name of Jesus that literally brand new heart and emotions would flow right now. They would suddenly be impacted by your spirit so that their heart is totally changed. And what was that is buried under the blood of Jesus would be gone. And anything that we've done in retaliation or pain that we've caused others because we're hurt, Lord, please forgive us and help us to forgive others. In the name of Jesus. New hearts, you can feel it right now. You can feel it right now. Some of you right now, I, I just, I just, I'm aware of this. Some of you right now, because you're letting your heart become brand new, all of a sudden you're able to move parts of your body that you haven't been able to move for a while, and it's, it's caused conf conflictions in your body, all that stress and everything. God is going to, you're going to be able to get up in just a few minutes and move and operate that shoulder like you haven't for a long time. The neck and disc muscles that have been causing problems are going to be released in the name of Jesus. God, realignment. I pray realignment. I pray realignment in the name of Jesus. Someone online, you're watching right now. It's your right ankle. It's your right ankle. You twisted it. You thought it was not a big deal. You tried to walk it off, but you woke up this morning and it's swollen. I'm going to tell you right now, you touch that ankle and you're going to lay down this afternoon. And when you get up, that ankle is going to be back to normal and you are going to be totally free. Those ligaments are going to be strengthened in the name of Jesus. Please, if that is you, write that in the comments to us because we want to hear that. We want to hear what God is doing in our church online.
If you're here in this place right now, there is someone that's here right now, and I'm just speaking this, what I feel God's saying. There's someone here. You have a, a son, I believe, maybe a daughter, but I think it's a son that is away from God. It's your prodigal. And they, they might not be in another country. They might not be doing other things. They might even be in your house. But they have walked away. And you have worried in the night. In fact, last night, you were kept up. You were concerned. I'm telling you right now, because you're getting healed in your heart, you're getting a new heart. God is bringing your kids home right now. Bringing your kids home. Before the next 48 hours is over, your kids are going to declare to you, Mom, Dad, I need to get back to Jesus. I need to come home. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Nobody looking around. Who was that word for? Please, just lift up. Thank you, sister. Thank you. Anybody else? Thank you. Right there. There's a third one. There's a fourth one. Right there. There's a fourth one. Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Believe in that. Trust in that. Lean into that word right there. Lean into it. Lean into it. Thanks again for listening to this message at Rivers Church. We'd love to have you subscribe to this podcast if you haven't already. To learn more about what's going on in the life of our church community, check us out at riverschurch.co. I pray that this week you would walk in the power and the presence of God. Thanks for joining us.